A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. We're going on the 2021 white-tailed deer hunting season is exactly what Jeff Pritzel's all about. Uh, Pritzel's DNR, uh, the DNR's deer ecologist, and he is also instrumental in the county deer advisory councils. They are meeting. They are taking a look at some of the proposed guidelines that the DNR is advising, and they're giving public feedback, and they're basically going to continue to give public feedback and then uh, reconvene in the beginning of May. Got a chance to visit with Jeff and learn a little bit more about why these uh, councils are so very important to what ends up happening when it comes to white-tailed deer hunting in Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin has had a long tradition of reaching out and getting public input in our decision-making processes, probably above and beyond what a lot of other states do. And so the, the mechanism that we've built about seven years ago now with these county advisory councils was to even take it a step further. And so now, you know, to serve the council members' decisions who are going to represent the stakeholders in their counties, you know, they have the opportunity to collect this information from members of the public and all folks that are interested in deer. Of course, it's going to be dominated by deer hunters, but there are others that have a stake in, in what the future of deer look like in Wisconsin, and they're welcome to participate as well. Yeah, so how many generally do participate? I mean, we're all in the COVID situation still. Many have become very acquainted with virtual meetings. How many people are you expecting? Well, this so what happens now, and, and this has been one of the upsides of, of shifting to a virtual format, because one of my frustrations in previous years when we would have you know annual meetings at the county level is is the attendance, frankly, was, was rather poor. I mean, we'd have our council members, and you'd have a handful of public that would show up, but unless there was something really controversial on the table, they pretty much would leave it up to the council members, which, which, which is all right, but it was, you always felt like, boy, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great conversations happening in those meetings, and a lot of people were missing out on it. And so, of course, still, we're, they're not able to participate. Well, they are able to listen in on the actual meetings because we've been doing those virtually. But the, the real vehicle for people to weigh in now is that these advisory councils have made their preliminary recommendation for this fall. And so now the public has the opportunity to weigh in and say, yes, I agree with that recommendation or no, I don't. And then they can also type in comments, you know, as to maybe why. And, and we also get a lot of other just, um, I won't call them random comments, but people want to comment on other issues they have related to the deer season, which is understandable. It gives them an opportunity. But we, we will get a lot of feedback that really doesn't pertain to the issue at hand right now, which is how many antlerless deer should be harvested and um, what the season framework option should be. And in the farmland counties, there's there's more options like uh, how many tags, antlerless tags, uh, what should they participate in the holiday hunt, and, and then the extension to try to augment the antlerless harvest. And so to get back to your original question, we probably, I, I would say now, each county gets as, as many as 400 people, you know, participating, and somewhere sometimes upwards of, of you know, seven or 800 um, people that are going online and filling out the survey. So we saw that really increase. Um, we had the... Um, we had this online ability, you know, all along for people to weigh in on this part. 
but the meetings themselves, which happened before and after, and they weren't that well attended, like I said, but now because people can listen in on the meetings a little easier without traveling, I think it's inspired a few more people to get engaged, and so that's great. Yeah, that is great, but that also creates a whole lot of content for you guys to have to parse through and uh, find uh, find the nuggets. Uh, you mentioned some of the secondary comments may not be pertinent to the questions at hand, but I get, I'm guessing you guys don't throw anything away when it comes to public input. Right. So, so the stakeholders, so each advisory council then has a, a, a person that's dedicated and one person represents Several actually represent deer hunters, but then someone represents agricultural interests. Someone represents forestry interests, and and there's urban interests, uh, tourism. So those folks will then sift through these comments and find the ones. And actually, what we're doing this year for the first time is we're having the the people who fill out the survey indicate which stakeholder group do they most associate with? So they'll say, you know, my most of my interests are deer hunting or my interests are agriculture or forestry. And so we will organize the comments based on that. And so the person who represents the forestry interests doesn't have to go through 700 comments to find the 20 you know, that are come from people with the forest interests or something like that. We'll, we'll have that pre-organized. But they will be reading these comments and then in their deliberations in the meetings, we ask them after the official decisions are made, you know, what other member matters are on your plate? And so they have the opportunity to bring these other concepts up, and it might be an, an idea for how to do something different next year, or it usually has something to do with some rule change. And then those get captured in the minutes. And then there's then there's a number of ways for us to then take that into consideration where we are doing a different process that might involve other aspects of the deer season. Are you getting any sense, Jeff? Jeff Preitzel along with us, he is the fellow that is kind of coordinating all these county deer advisory councils and the meetings, the virtual input opportunity that continues through April 25th. Are there any hot-button issues that you're already sensing, Jeff, or that were brought up by some of the advisory council members? You cited the antler list situation and what the fall format's going to look like, but what other kind of constant conversations are you hearing? Sure. Well, in, in the farmland portion of the, of the state, and we have our, our state divided into four zones, two of them are forest zones, the central forest and the northern forest, and then we have the what we consider the central farmland and the southern farmland. And so all of those counties in those zones kind of have similar basic frameworks, you know, to look at. And, and, and honestly, this has been a challenge for quite some time, but in, in a lot of those four, or I'm sorry, farmland counties that have really highly productive um, deer populations, that the challenge for a long time has been how do you get an adequate antlerless deer harvest accomplished uh, that keeps that deer population stable or, or in some cases, the desire to actually decrease the population. It, that becomes a challenge. And there are uh, mechanisms, you know, so there's a lot of discussion about, well, are there other ways we could increase that, that harvest? And so one of the decisions they have to, you know, consider each year is whether they want to have augmented or additional season opportunities, like what we call the holiday hunt, which is a, another firearm deer season between Christmas and New Year. And each county has its own personality and its own take on whether that's a good thing or not and the trend has been growing but 
but there's, you know, they, they work through, uh, there's other outdoor activities, and are, is there conflict, or are these compatible with each other, and that's one of the things that they'll rely a lot on, the public feedback, you know, do people want this holiday hunt, or do they find that it's, it actually gets in the way of other things, and so they, this is a great way for them to represent their community. Mm-hmm. Now, like we said, it runs uh, through the 25th of April, and all are invited to get involved. Now, when will we see, I guess, the summation of all this information gathering? Jeff, how fast do the wheels turn, and when will some of our hunters and landowners know a little bit more about what's coming their way? Sure. So this is the real interesting thing, and there's a couple of people that really work hard, and including all of these members which are volunteers we have to turn this around really quickly now so at on the 25th when when the it closes for input we only have a couple of days to consolidate all of that get it back out to the members so they basically will have the following weekend to review it because the first week of may is when the cdacs have to get back together to have their second and final meeting to, to then say, all right, this is what we heard from the public. Here's what we know about the situation of our deer herd. This is our final recommendation. Now, that recommendation is just advisory to the Natural Resources Board. And and the department staff, we also have a a role to make a recommendation. And so we we look and see in 99% of the cases, we're on the same page. And so there's a recommendation. These go to the Natural Resources Board, and we will point out, you know, a handful of situations where maybe the department and the CDACs aren't necessarily in alignment. We'll talk through that. And then ultimately the Natural Resources Board makes the final call on what's going to happen this fall at the June Natural Resources Board meeting. But we, we need to have all that ready a month in advance in May so that it can be put out. They can consider, you know, the information. And, and then it's available for the public as well on our website to say, here's what the board is going to make a decision on. Wow. Quick turnaround, to say the least. That's Jeff Preitzel. He's the DNR's dear ecologist. Busy, busy fella, along with the rest of the DNR staff, looking for your input on the 2021 deer season, specifically looking for the situation with the county-level antlerless deer harvest goals and the 2021 whitetail deer hunting season structure. You are welcome to participate. Just go to the Department of Natural Resources website. Uh, You are also welcome to look for the County Deer Advisory Council's website where you can get your links and get involved. And then stay tuned to find out what the DNR board ultimately decides. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Recently. Prairie Impressive. The roofing, gutter, siding, and window team transform the look of your home. Superior service without compromising. Online at prairieexteriors.com. Prairie Exteriors. Now that's impressive. Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. 
Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger. Just like you could by giving a pint of blood. The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy. Take a chill pill. Hi, my name is Tim O'Brien, owner of The Healthy Place. Do you battle stress, anxiety, or depression? You need to know about our top-selling product, Chill Pill. Chill Pill is a natural supplement with a simple herbal blend that works. Infused with magnolia bark to reduce cortisol for stress relief, L-theanine to calm the mind from anxious thoughts, and the amino acid 5-HTP to balance your serotonin levels and uplift the mood. Has anyone ever told you that you need to take a Chill Pill? Well, now you can for less than a dollar a day. After everything that we have all gone through this last year, we all need a chill pill. Talk to our wellness consultants today to see if chill pill is right for you. Come on over to any of our four locations for in-store shopping or curbside pickup. Or stay home and take advantage of our same-day delivery in Dane County. Free shipping, live chat feature on our website, and phone consultations. Stop in or check us out online at findyourhealthyplace.com. The Healthy Place. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Ah, yeah, it's a final Friday of the week, final Friday of the month. The Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. Want to give a big shout out to our friend Bob from Beaver Dam. Bob has been selected this month's winner of our weather station, courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance, for uh, all the folks that uh, contributed either via our talk text line, whatever way you tried to get a hold of us, you were in the running for that uh, weather station. But we appreciate Bob's uh, kind of updates from time to time on a lot of things happening in his neighborhood. So, And it's a kind of a slick-looking little weather station, Stu. Uh, I, don't, I imagine you've got gizmos like that around your house, but... Uh, we're going to try to put some pictures up so people can actually see them. All kinds of colors, more information than I can really probably reasonably use, but it's pretty cool. So we appreciate Bob from Beaver Dam using that talk text line. And remember, you can use it for rainfall reports. You can use it to tell me if you're planting corn or if you moved on to soybeans. You can use it to tell me about an upcoming June dairy event. Whatever you want to tell me, the best way to do it, the Midwest Farm Report talk text line is 877-301-3276. That's 877-301-FARM. So nice job, Bob. And really, as far as uh, creativity is concerned, Bob gave us updates from time to time on a lot of different things because there's not been a lot of rainfall to report. You know what I mean? (laughs) I got a report. One of my cronies, John, texted me and said, 10 drops at 4.30. Yeah, that's about right. I, I kind of thought the same way. I was uh, looked outside. I had the dogs outside. I glanced, and all of a sudden, they're standing in the window or in the door looking at me like, hello, do you see it's raining? And I think by the time I got to the door, it was already stopped. So I, I'm, did anybody get anything measurable yesterday? Believe it or not, I didn't think so, but the airport here in Fond du Lac reported a whole hundredth of an inch. Wow. Uh, I was outside during that spell and it just wasn't that wet yeah my shirt felt wet for a couple of minutes but that was about it 
just a real weak little front that slipped through way off to our southeast today. There's a little wavy front in the central part of the state that, again, not a big concern. No precipitation to talk about, oh, except pulling east away from Lake Michigan into lower Michigan. We should have a nice dry day today, and high pressure is edging in. That high will assure us of more sunshine, and along with the sunshine, temperatures not spectacular today, not quite as warm as they were yesterday, because now we have a northwest breeze, but nonetheless, still a very fine April days in store. A big warm-up tomorrow, but very breezy as a warm front tries moving in out of the southwest. Well, that could even mean a sprinkly shower over at La Crosse or Mauston as we move on toward tomorrow in the uh, mid-morning hours, if you will. The rest of us will miss out on that. More likely some rain building in as we head into Sunday, Sunday night into Monday. I've seen some forecast maps now for that time frame. What developed Sunday lasts into early Monday. We could talk about some half or even three-quarter inch amounts of rain. That'd be a nice shower if you got a bunch of crops in the ground here early in the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall report to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Farming is tough enough, as you know. Your 2021 Planted Acres report doesn't have to be. With TopCon's data management platform, TAP, you can submit your Planted Acres report right from your computer. And you don't have to have any TopCon gear in your tractors. Signing up is free. And TopCon's TAP can handle your planting data electronically from any of the major planting solutions available. Learn more at CropReporting.com. It's that easy. Well, I got to believe that uh, today, tomorrow, at least for at least the next 48 hours, we've got some more planting ahead of us, huh, Stu? Oh, you betcha. They were busy in the neighborhood yesterday, even after that little bit of sprinkly rain that was around. And I know that goes on today for all of us. A nice sunny day. Some very upper 50s in eastern Wisconsin and generally low 60s in the other areas. And that Compere Financial Ag weather update does include northwest winds today, 5 to 15. That's why we're just that little bit cooler. We'll be clear overnight. Very low or maybe a few mid-40s around as winds gradually turn to the south late in the night, about 5 to 10. Mostly sunny Saturday. I mentioned western Wisconsin. I'm thinking La Crosse, Mauston, up toward Eau Claire. May get a sprinkle in the morning. Everybody else stays dry. Breezy, very mild Saturday. Very upper 70s, low 80s, 83 or better at La Crosse. There's some summer all of a sudden. But those south winds tomorrow, 10 to 20, they'll gust around 35 and 40 miles per hour. Big fire danger tomorrow. Don't even think about lighting it because of those winds and how dry things are. Then, of course, as we make our way into Sunday, 
There'll be partly sunny skies. That next little chance of some rain uh, could be a sprinkle earlier in the day, more likely developing late afternoon and evening. Uh, in the mid-70s on Sunday, southwest winds at 5 to 10. That rain chance lasts into Monday, cloudy and, and a little cooler than, in fact, the high on Monday, Pan, probably in the low and mid-60s all of a sudden, but with that needed rain. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed that it's it's measurable. Even, you know, it's not just corn and beans, our pastures, some of our small grains are really going to need a drink of water by then. Absolutely. And if that, that half to three-quarter zone inch or so shows up, that makes a big difference. Boy, does it. Have a good weekend, buddy. We appreciate it. All right. We'll catch you Monday. Stu Muck with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner. Committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There have been multiple instances of scammers impersonating Madison police officers and detectives. A 27-year-old man told officers he was contacted by MPD officer Rick Foster and the caller ID displayed the MPD North District's main number. The victim was asked to send money through a money app. The victim later confirmed with MPD that this was a scam and nobody by the name of Rick Foster is employed with MPD. These types of calls are scams with people impersonating the authorities and conjuring up different schemes to fool people into giving them money. Remember, scammers can spoof your caller ID. Please visit the Federal Trade Commission Consumer Information website for more details on these types of scams and steps you can take to protect yourself. If you have any information regarding similar scams, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. You're well aware of these gigantic mortgage companies that make it seem as though they can do everything for you rather quickly, when in fact, you end up in a call center where everything is cumbersome and expensive. Learn about our local process at educatedmortgage.com. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the mortgage man. NMLS number 222652. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Neon, day glow, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains. 
or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea, or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Keep your head in the game. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at zone underscore medicine. We've had a couple people ask us, what have you heard on Christian Yelich, what have you heard on Lorenzo Cain? When are they going to be back? Well, the last we heard was they are, quote, in a holding pattern. Yeah, and I think from whatever that means, we had some Craig Council clips, and it sounded like he was much more upbeat and anticipating a Christian Yelich return sooner than later, but not a whole lot about Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, the word is mum on Lorenzo Cain. I have not heard a single thing besides... Um, a couple days ago, they were, quote, in a holding pattern, whatever that means. And that was after uh, Christian Yelich came back to Milwaukee to get an MRI on his back, which turned out nothing was there's nothing to be concerned about, I guess. Yeah, my biggest thing is I'm I'm hoping all those guys can get back and, and rejoin the team by May 11th. That That's my date, May 11th. And if that day comes and goes and they're not back, then what, Rowdy? Do we start getting nervous? Yeah, because that'd be about a that'd be about a month where you're missing all these guys. You had, I mean, we've talked about it probably for some of you at nauseum about how Kane's been out, Yelich has been out, Wong had been out. And there's multiple relievers out of the bullpen that you thought at the beginning, or I guess spring training that you thought would be uh, arms in the bullpen have been out. I mean, it, now Manny Pena yeah, is out, fractured big left toe last. Last weekend series with the Cubs, you have Anderson, hamstring, water on the knee, both on the IL, and then the Cubs with their dirtiness beamed um, Daniel Daniel Robertson Robertson in in the the head. head. He's on the seven day IL concussion. Tis tis Chicago Cubs. A lot of guys starting to fill up that IL for the Milwaukee Brewers. Actually, I had a tweet here that I saw where it was talking about how the Brewers are relatively healthy. If huh? if you uh, subtract all these. Yeah, so here are the current Brewers on the various ILs. Yelich with a back, Kane with Kane with a quad, Jace Peterson with a thumb, who, oh, by the way, he was the one that was brought up to replace Colton Wong. <laughs> Pena with his fractured toe, 
Daniel Robertson with a concussion. And then if you remember, you had Tim Lopes. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was on with an oblique in spring training. If you remember, you had Matthias, who played pretty well last year. Yep. Don't forget, he's on the IL with a shoulder. Yep. Derek Fisher, who was the guy they traded for. Not the basketball was, player. That was uh, in contention for that last spot with McKinney and Tyrone Taylor. He is also on the uh, the IL with a hamstring. Justin Topa, who logged some uh, seventh innings for the Brewers last year, had some velocity and had a lot of cut to his uh, fastballs. He's on the 60-day with an elbow. Bobby Wall is on the 60-day with an oblique. That guy's been on the 60-day since they acquired him. They've been waiting for him to be healthy. And then we mentioned Anderson with a hamstring, Lynn Bloom with a knee. But other than that... What about, did you say Ray Black? Ray, Ray Black with another nagging injuries. Uh, did we say Robertson? Do we count him yep, yet? Yep, we already talked okay, about him. Okay, so we're at 13 right now of guys on the aisle for the Milwaukee Brewers. And yeah, other than that, they're healthy. Yeah, if you take away the 13 guys in the aisle, the Brewers are perfectly fine. Nothing to worry about. And all, all guys that have spent time in the big leagues, whether they're either big-time stars like Christian Yelich or they're quadruple-A players like Daniel Robertson or or guys like Ray Black that are not necessarily high-level, uh, high-leverage pitchers, but they're giving you innings. Yeah, listen, if you take away the quality f- arm out of the bullpen. If you take away the fact that I'm 5'11", I should be in the NBA, you know, getting paid like LeBron James, you know, dunking the ball and whatnot. But, you know, just take away the fact that I'm 5'11", and I don't have any basketball ability. So, yeah, if you take away the 13 guys in the I.L., the Brewers are totally healthy. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers manager, Craig Council, let's see here, this is 15 hours ago on Locaine. Uh, let's see here. Craig Council said on loan, uh, low cane, quote, you're going to see him on the road trip. While this statement does not rule out a potential return prior to the road trip kicking off on Monday, May 3rd in Philly, it does look like it's a possible date bearing any setback. So you'd see him so already May 3rd. If they're talking about that road trip, you say May 3rd, that's the first day of the road trip. That's it's a Philadelphia Monday. where they have a four-game series in Philly. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the road trip is a three-game series in Miami against the Marlins. So if you're telling me he's at least back by at the very latest May 9th, at least that fits inside my May 11th window. Yeah, there you go. So Craig Council, you're going to see him on the road trip. So, I mean, take it for what you will. And they seemed more upbeat with Christian Yelich than they had with Lorenzo Cain in recent uh, comments. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Let's see. Kane struggling through his first week of games before going in the IL. Kane 637 OPS and 70 OPS plus would mark the lowest of his career. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Probably not much better than the upper 50s, low 60s for highs today. Then we'll bounce up to the 80s over the weekend, keeping an eye on what's coming our way moisture-wise, hopefully the front part of next week. You know, whenever we get into dry conditions like this, everybody starts getting real sensitive on where water is being used. And, of course, Wisconsin agriculture gets a lot of that attention. We're talking with Tamas Houlihan, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers, on how they're participating with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources Central Sands Survey, basically watching water levels. He's got some interesting insights on that before we wrap her up today. I'm Pam Yankee. 
Now, from Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. So today, 30th day of April, on this day in 1942, Manitowoc Company launched its very first submarine. It was called the Pedo, and it was launched sideways into the Manitowoc River. It was the first submarine built by that Wisconsin company, and equally important, the first time a submarine was launched sideways instead of nose first. It was 300 feet long, built to carry 85 men and 24 torpedoes. It was one of 28 submarines that they made at the Manitowoc Company during wartime. That was on this day in 1942. Back on this day in 1993, tennis ace Monica Sellis was stabbed by an obsessed fan. I remember when that happened. Uh, She was not really harmed, but it had such a psychological impact on her that Sellis didn't play any tennis tournaments for over two years, just trying to get over that. On this day in 1789, George Washington became the first U.S. president, took the oath of office on the balcony of Federal Hall in New York City. In the United States, he is venerated as one of the country's founding fathers, and it kind of officially happened on this day in 1789. Happy birthday to Willie Nelson, also actress Kristen Dunst, celebrating the day today. Celebrating, that's a good way to look at it. All those people in rural Wisconsin that have stepped up in the pandemic to lend a hand. And I'm talking about the people that you don't hear about. When a neighbor gets sick or someone passes away and they step up to make sure that the crops are going to get planted or harvested, They step up to make sure that cows are going to get fed, cows are going to get milked. Those are the people that we want to focus in on. The Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation is calling them their heroes of hope. I talked about it yesterday with Cassie Sonnentag from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. This is a continuing quest by the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation to focus in on rural kindness in light of the pandemic. Heroes of Hope is a campaign that is housed under our Farm Neighbors Care campaign, and it's focused on shedding some light on those rural heroes who have helped others get through a tough time, um, helping them get the crops off while someone is under the weather feeling sick or providing some positivity to their day-to-day careers or uplifting them through a tough season. Um, we're looking to identify people who have helped bring hope to farmers or businesses, whether that be in a large or a small way. Um, we're just encouraging people to nominate some individuals who have made an impact on the way that they conduct business, whether that be ordinarily or extraordinarily. Now, you mentioned this is part of the Farm Neighbors Care campaign. Tell me about that, because that actually started before the pandemic. Everybody thinks this is all about the pandemic, but in reality, it started before that. Yeah, Farm Neighbors Care was created by the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation with the help of several other um, contributing organizations in the spring of 2019 to spread to shed some light on mental health in farming. Um, some of the key aspects of that program is just highlighting that mental health is important to rural adults and their families and highlighting and trying to break the stigma of mental health in agriculture. What kinds of uh, accomplishments has that program seen, Cassie? I know sometimes it's hard to get our arms around progress, but I think just the dialogue, if nothing else, has probably been helpful, right? And yes, and that's that's the primary focus of the Farm Neighbors Care campaign. Um, it's starting that conversation, checking in on your neighbors, and just making that awareness that mental health matters, and it's right here in our local communities. 
Right. Now, uh, we also want to remind people that uh, Mental Health Awareness Month starts in May. Nominations for the Heroes of Hope starts in May. It's all designed to be together, right? Yes, yep. Nominations open up on May 1st, and they will go until uh, May 21st. And then we will be announcing our winners, or our top five finalists, on May 28th on the Farm Bureau Facebook page. Now, what, uh, I, I mean, every good gesture is obviously its own prize, but you've actually come up with some really nice prize packages to recognize some of these caring folks. Yes, so one grand prize winner will receive $500 cash, a Yeti cooler, and some gift card to Quick Trip. And then our four remaining finalists will receive $150 cash, a Quick Trip gift card, as well as a Blaine Farm and Fleet gift card. Right, so definitely worth your time to try to think of those people in your community that have been helpful in agriculture, helpful to agriculture. Now explain again, Cassie, how we can submit these uh, Heroes of Hope candidates. Yeah, so nominations are available on the Wisconsin Farm Bureau website, WSBF.com, and can also be accessed from our Farm Bureau Facebook page. You know, and like you said, some of these uh, efforts that people have been doing really fly under the radar if uh, if you're not involved in the process. It's not like a lot of farmers or farm families brag about what they're doing on this. Absolutely, and that's why we're also encouraging, if you're a member of the agriculture community and there's somebody who has um, helped you or that you've noticed making an impact on the community, definitely feel free to nominate those people as well. Um, this is something that we should be celebrating and farmers are a huge family and support one another and knowing that there's uh, somebody there to help you or get you through a tough time is very important and needs to be celebrated. Couldn't agree with you more, Cassie. Sonnentag from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. They are opening the application process tomorrow through May 21st for your Heroes of Hope online, wfbf.com. I also have a link up on our website. So markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are a little softer. Right now, December corn's down two at 544. November beans down two at 1316. The July wheat down two at 727. Yesterday, barrel cheese in Chicago gained a quarter of a cent at 181 and a half. 40 pound block cheese and double A butter both unchanged. Right now, May milk is down eight overnight at 1914 a hundredweight. June milk currently down a dime at 1965 weight. Well, we hope rain comes down over the weekend, but I'll tell you what, in the meantime, a lot of folks get very sensitive about how agriculture is using water. Talking about that next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Thump. That jolting experience when you hit a pothole. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Protect your tires from uneven wear with a front-end alignment from Tom's Auto Center. It's also a free service when you purchase a new set of tires. And you'll be driving straight the way you should be. Stay safe, drive safe. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom's Auto Center. Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, has been operational for civilian use. Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission. 
guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, we're already seeing it pick up in conversation, this dry weather, the talk of a drought. And that means that more and more people are going to be paying attention to how Wisconsin agriculture is using our resources, not just land, but water. You know, Growers across the state have been paying attention to their water use patterns for a long time, and sometimes that goes unnoticed. Did you know that the Wisconsin potato and vegetable growers are right now very involved with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources Central Sands Lake study? Basically, it's focusing in on water-related strategies around the Little Plover River in central Wisconsin. Now, that seems to be a strike point for a lot of heated conversations over water use, water planning, water conservation. I sat down and talked about it with Tamis Houlihan, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers, and asked him to explain how long farmers have been engaged in this survey process. Yes, uh, the DNR has been working on this study for several years, and they just came out with their findings a week or two ago. And so we appreciate the opportunity to carefully review it, And we do value the DNR's recommendation for a comprehensive approach that empowers farmers and other stakeholders to work cooperatively to take appropriate actions, which is a strategy we've successfully used with the Little Plover River on a project. And what were some of the initial findings that that you noticed or the potato and vegetable growers noticed, Tamas? Because as I mentioned to you before we started this conversation, people are very, very sensitive on about water levels in central Wisconsin and really anywhere that uh, people gather. Tell me a little bit about the highlight items you noticed in the report. Well, a key point in the DNR study found that precipitation is the primary factor affecting lake level fluctuations. And that is something our farmers have known for years. Um, In an average year, the central sands gets over 32 inches of precipitation. And even the highest use vegetable crop only uses about 22 inches of water. So the vast majority of the time, agricultural irrigation will not have an adverse effect on lake levels. Right now, all of the lakes in the study are at historically high water levels. In fact, even Long Lake, the one that shows the most susceptibility to the effects of irrigation, is over four feet above a 50-year historical average. So it would take several years of continually dry conditions before the lake levels are brought back down to average levels, let alone below average levels. And so we appreciate that finding within the study as well as their, their um, approach to have farmers and other stakeholders take the lead role regarding water management and just allowing them to use the latest in technology and best practices to conserve water. How is this information going to be used, Tamas? I think that's the other thing that growers get a little worried about. Uh, this, as you pointed out, is, is friendly, so to speak, but how do they intend to use all of this uh, information? Well, it is a recommendation from the DNR, and believe me, we will stay focused 
on working with our partners and stakeholders to ensure that we do our part for water conservation. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the Little Plover River Project is a great example of how farmers collaborated with the DNR, the Wetlands Association, the Village of Plover to work together and find a solution to keep that river flowing above the public right stage. And it's been very successful. And so my take on it is that growers will continue to do their part and continue to do the, the best practices they can to conserve water. So the groups that uh, take the most interest in this, Tamas, help us understand, uh, you live in this world all the time. I think for other areas of agriculture, they don't realize how much scrutiny goes into an average growing season for our potato and vegetable growers. You guys are about the only ones that are constantly visible when it comes to water use. Tell me about how this interaction all works together. Well, the farmers watch the forecasts very carefully and they have to make sure that their crops are given the right amount of water at the right time to optimize growth to get the quality and the yield that they need. And so a lot of our focus has been on research. I mean, we invest um, well over $350,000 a year on research projects directly related to production agriculture. And a lot of them in recent years are directly related to water use. We've gotten much better at variable rate irrigation systems. A lot of our growers are using low pressure systems and drop nozzles on their irrigation systems to allow the water to be applied closer to the ground. It reduces the amount of evaporation that can take place. We continue to investigate the best technology related to evapotranspiration or crop water use. And these measurements enable growers to apply precise amounts of water to meet the growing crop's needs. Um, we continually research new potato varieties, and we're trying to find the ones that are either drought-tolerant or use less water to produce the yield and quality that growers need and consumers demand. And so it's kind of a, a constant um, research and education effort that makes our industry better and, and preserves the environment. So let's talk a little bit more about, uh, it, it's not just about these studies, Tamas. Uh, as you pointed out, potato growers, vegetable growers are engaged in this process right along. Now, as the summer unfolds, help people understand the monitoring process that uh, potato and vegetable growers are being encouraged to voluntarily kind of step up and get involved with. It's really not a part of this central sand study, but it is, to your point, an example of ongoing efforts voluntarily taken on by farmers. Right. As I stated, you know, the farmers watch their crops very carefully. They watch the weather forecast. They check the fields. They're using soil moisture probes and other weather monitoring equipment to help them decide, okay, when do we need to add a little bit of water? Uh, a potato crop is a water-intense crop that uses maybe 22 inches throughout the summer. A lot of that just comes in the form of rainfall, especially in recent years when we've had so much rainfall. And so they watch every week, did we get enough rainfall? If a certain area didn't, then they say, okay, let's apply X amount of irrigation water to this field. And it really becomes site-specific. It's field by field. I'm sure you know rain doesn't always fall evenly across, you know, the landscape. Obviously there are, you know, 
downpours in one area and two miles away they get nothing. And so the farmers are constantly out in their fields checking the soil moisture levels, checking the progress of the crop, and doing their best. It's, it's really prescription farming today. They look at an individual field and plants within that field and decide how much water, how much nutrients are needed, and they apply accordingly. But you're always looking for cooperative farmers that can provide that data back to potato and vegetable growers. Not all growers, I mean, to your point, they all are very engaged in their water use and their plan, but you kind of encourage them to share that information with you, don't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we have a lot of cooperation, and in particular, this Little Plover River producer-led um grant that we recently applied for and received involves the sharing of information not only among the five farms that are participating in the grant project, but part of the, the great you know Department of Ag producer-led grant program is that you share with other farmers in other areas. And so there are outreach events and field days where we get other groups together, and there's a great sharing of information. We have several educational events throughout the course of the year including our annual grower education conference, where they're not only sharing with each other, but they're getting the results of the university-funded research. And so some of our outstanding University of Wisconsin scientists will come and report on the results of their studies. And again, it all helps um, in terms of growing a better crop and doing so with conservation in mind. Well, just so you know, that's what our potato and vegetable growers are doing right now as they begin their spring planting chores and growing another crop that you will depend on. Tamas Houlihan, along with us, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers. If you kind of want to see more details on that recently released study from the Central Sands folks, you can pop on over to our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. If this dry weather keeps up, this will be just the beginning of the conversation about water use and Wisconsin agriculture. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Spring has arrived, and Blaine's Farm and Fleet is ready to help you tackle all the projects you've been thinking about all winter long. Get your yard in shape with PBI Gordon Trimac Concentrate. This three-way herbicide blend kills weeds without harming your lawn. Two and a half gallons, $54.99. Rewards members pay $49.99. Or pick up Gordon's Amine 402 4D herbicide. Kills broadleaf weeds on lawns, pastures, fence rows, drainage ditches, and industrial sites. Two and a half gallons, just $37.99. Get a 12-volt, 40-gallon, three-point sprayer from Fimco. It's $449.99. Save on Lock-Ease hitch pins from Double H, now 10% off. Stock up on six-foot studded T-posts from Chicago Heights Steel, on sale $399. Rewards members pay $389. And 16-foot, 50-inch, 5-gauge cattle fence panels from Balin, now $24.99. That's genuine value on everything you need under one roof. From Blaine's Farm.